Constellation. 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 Welcome to Inner Bloom, a podcast about spirituality and intuitive empowerment where we help each other evolve and ascend through conscious community. I'm Alexa, a healer who utilizes EFT, also known as tapping, to help you process stuck emotions, release limiting beliefs, and reconnect with your inner child. I'm Ambrosia, a psychic medium and Arcturian channel, here to uplift and inspire you to see that you are capable of more than you know. Together, we empower people to live extraordinary lives. We do want to warn you, if you hang out with us long enough, you'll start to believe in yourself and realize that you're capable of anything. Enjoy Enjoy the the show. This episode is brought to you by Sugar Blocks. Sugar Blocks is a shop for all your cuteness needs from custom labels, stickers, handmade stationery, and more. You can find Sugar Blocks Unicorn Horn stickers in our most recent unicorn-themed Inner Bloom Experience box. You can find Sugar Blocks on Etsy or at sugarblockstore at gmail.com. Hello, welcome back once again to Inner Bloom Podcast. I am Alexa, and we are back once again with the beautiful, wonderful, powerful Nike Oria. Hi, Nike. Welcome to Inner Bloom. Hi. Thank you for having me back again. <laughs> it's so nice to be back with you. We have spent uh, the past couple weeks with you. Well, last week we took a little intermission, but we the two weeks before that we've been diving deep in with you uh, into the realm of ancestral work and ancestral healing. Last time we were with you, we you actually guided Ambrosia and myself. Ambrosia, who is not here today, here in spirit, um, but you connected us, you guided us to connect with our ancestors, which was a really empowering experience. And um, I know we, we both had experiences after that that we can definitely share but maybe before we get into that, what are we going to dive into on today's episode just so people know what's coming? We're going to talk about just the way that ancestral connection can really shift your perspective, the pro- programming and the paradigm that you're in, and especially how so much of it is embedded in the now and how we're deconstructing, decolonizing, decapitalizing all these things it's really related to ancestral work and trauma and no longer using those coping mechanisms and (laughs) terrible the ways of just coping with being a human um, because they no longer serve us as an individual, but also in the collective. Oh, I love it. I'm excited to dive into all of that. Um, Should, do you want me to share a little bit about what happened for me after Yeah, I'm so curious. Yeah, so it was really wild because right after, um, honestly, it was actually right after the first week that we started doing this work with you. And um, within like a week, that week and a half where we had done the first one and the second one, it was crazy because all of a sudden I just started noticing that like things that felt like 
hard before or like there was not a lot of energy behind them even though I was trying to take action towards things it just kind of felt like I was running in place or spinning my wheels suddenly it felt like the doors just like flew open and the floodgates open and it was just like I felt like something clicked into place and now it was like I took one action and I got so much bang for my buck like I felt like I just I'll even in particularly with like TikTok for example like I've always been I feel like I understand that app but there's something that just wasn't clicking with me like it was like I would get success with it and then I would just like I don't know sabotage myself or I I don't know what it was but the point is literally right after this it's like suddenly it all makes sense to me and I feel like I totally understand what I'm doing with it and I feel like I'm totally aligned with my purpose and I started to see like huge huge return like in my life and a lot of movement towards things I want Mm -hmm. and I can't help but feel like I have that image of like my ancestors and my lineage like the behind me pushing me towards things and helping me helping me like open doors and and it's a very good feeling it's a very Mm -hmm. it's powerful and loved you know yeah, no, and I love how you mentioned that alignment with purpose because through the work that I've done, so I've been working with my ancestors since the beginning of my spiritual journey, like my conscious spiritual journey. Um, very after, you know, everything was sparked, um, very soon after I was introduced to working with ancestors, but I haven't talked about it until like this year and like done the work because it's been like such a transformative journey and it's been such an intimate journey as well that it's not something you just like jump into and you completely understand all facets of the healing and also all facets of yourself so like that alignment and coming to realignment with your purpose and the adjustment and the opening of doors is a cycle that just happens throughout this work like that's what happens with me but that's what's also makes it easier when we do go through these up and downs of like naturally happening in the human experience so to be able to have that support and that understanding and know even though sometimes you feel low that you're you're supported but a team of energetic understanding that knows that you're going to be magnificent in everything you do that really helps with the lows and the misunderstanding of self and the um, readjustments that have to happen because naturally as humans we're always going to be constantly readjusting and so it is nice to have one part of our selves that is stable I mean even sometimes our guides change right like some guides move on when we no longer need them and we get new guides and like even like the modalities of healing change that we're doing um but our ancestors are constant they're stable and as like an earth sign I know you're a Taurus too like I really cherish that I really (laughs) like stability so um they always bring us back to our purpose and our realignment and yeah, it's just something that it's a feeling that it's also hard to explain. I've had many conversations with you about ancestor healing and I'm like, I don't really know how to explain it because like you just have yeah. to witness it. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Like the couple of times that you've guided me through it, it's like 
the power of it, like just witness, like you said, witnessing what happens as a result. It's like, it's hard to explain because I, I, I don't even know if we're really like meant to explain it. Like you said, it's something that we're supposed to experience and on, and like sense and feel the power of and feel that connection for ourselves, you know, because once you feel it, it's like, it makes sense to you. I mean, I've even found myself talking to my ancestors so much more like like talking to my ancestors rather than I don't know I love to I I believe I have guides I talk to my guides I see my guides sometimes but Mm -hmm. there's something more like sacred Mm -hmm. about talking to your ancestors because like you said it makes you feel that purpose it's not mm-hmm. just like, oh, I'm talking to my guides and the fairies and the unicorns. And, and that's all fun. It's it's fun. But there's something when you're talking to your ancestors where you just feel like you're here for a reason and you're mm-hmm. doing something important and you're important, you know, they're important. And I really yeah. like that. Because even like every soul that comes to, that incarnates on this earth, no matter what you believe, how we come to this earth, they still need a, a lineage to incarnate. Like a soul just can't come in and like, Boop, I'm a human. <laughs> like you need a lineage. And so that lineage is really um, important too. It's like a part of the gateway to this human experience. Even whatever lineage you were a part of, if you believe that, like if you were a starseed or you were a deity or whatever, you still need to connect to a human lineage. And those humans have survived so much. They have thrived. They've survived. They've allowed. They've gone through really harsh things and they've gone through beautiful things you were made out of love the acts of love the acts of connection for a reason that's why you're here and so connecting to our ancestors reconnects us to that reason and and that feeling is really something that's so precious and is so sacred sure we can talk to our guides like i love my guides i love goddesses love the occasional et But sometimes something's missing because also sometimes you're like, you just weren't human. I always with my guides and just like the universe in general, every time they're telling me something that I know is supposed to be like inspirational or motivating, I'm just like, you don't get it because you're not human. It's like when we were teenagers and we were telling our parents, well, you just don't get it. Yeah. But... And, like, because to some degree, we know that they weren't a human. So, like, even ETs, right? Like, every time I talk to Arcturians and they talk, like, well, you know, because of this, this, yeah. and this. I'm like, <laughs> you don't get it. But when I talk to my ancestors, they're like, yeah, yeah, that's shitty. It sucks. Yes, yes. They have that very human understanding. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the Arcturians have even said to, to – I just remember when we first started connecting with them, I would be like – how do can you explain to me? I was asking the stupidest <laughs> questions. I was like, can you tell me how I can have better skin? And they're just like, it's like a stupid question to ask, but they were like <laughs> quiet talking amongst themselves. And then they were like, we have determined that you should speak to a skin doctor about this. And it's like, right, because they don't even know about freaking skin. It's whatever. It's right. just, yeah. 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 But connected to your ancestry, you might have a great, yeah. great, great, great aunt who's like, 
honey, just use pomegranate seeds. And you're like, what? And you're like, trust me. And then you do it and you're like, wait, this makes sense. Oh my God. You know what? This is so crazy too that I just... I had this experience today. What you just said reminded me, like, I just had this experience today with a client where she's an intuitive and she's a medium. And as we're talking, she's like, there's like a guy here, like, and I'm like, for me? And she's like, yeah, describing him, said his name. And then I realized like, oh my God, wait, that's, um, that's my, uh, husband's grandfather. That's his name. So then I'm like, wait a minute. So my mother-in-law for our wedding made us a full book, like a book literally this big that she made of our entire ancestry. She literally like wrote out the story. She put pictures. She said everything about them. I'm like, wait a minute. I could tell you all about him. And so I went to the book, which I've never really gone in depth before. And I started reading all about him. And she was like, that's him. That's him. And anyway, what you just made me realize is like our our ancestors are, you know, it's like the, our grandmothers and our mothers and the, that nurturing that's always, that's here in real life, you know, at times that we, I feel like we tend as humans to brush it off, like, oh, well, whatever, like, but it's, like, it's such powerful knowledge, it's so helpful, and they're trying to help, and I think that's, it's such a sweet thing to think about, you know? Yeah, and, like, also with that there's also the shadow right and the shadow too it can be so comforting to know like wow the shadow that I've been going through in this life those who have came before me have also gone through it Mm -hmm. and like that is also a very human part that they can connect to because even sometimes you're going through the shadow and you're like why am I this way (laughs) and the goddess is like well just do this and you're like You don't get it. <laughs> That's so, so true, too. I, yeah. I can. So we're live on Facebook right now. And first of all, everybody is like showering you with compliments, saying favorite humans. Um, uh, Sammy Jean said, I can't wait to do this with Nike. Christina said, my ancestors feel like home. Uh, Ricardo wanted to know if he could ask a question. It's kind of relevant to this. Is that OK? Yeah. Um, He said, if when we can ask Nike a question, is it possible for ancestors to be in conflict with each other? I have the inkling that two of my grandmothers are constantly bickering. (laughs) It's a good question. Oh, yeah, 100%. Sometimes I separate my lineage. My lineage, my mom and dad's side don't really mix right now. Mm. Um, Not that there's real beef, (laughs) but I separate them now because I have two different things I'm working on because there's two different sets of trauma. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, let's not mix up the trauma. You know, this one might trigger the other side and it's like real life, you know? Yeah. Um, But even so, like, I've learned so much about my ancestry currently too, which is like, you wouldn't expect it. Nothing that just like a DNA test can tell you. Like you need to like talk to real life people. And I don't know why my family is very on the low key. I just found out that like my great, great, great uncle was the president of Togo. No one told me that. Wow. Um, I was just talking on BBC the other day on YouTube. So, like, those are things I'm not going to know from a DNA test, right? Like, the history that comes up with that. Like, I I recently, I was telling Alexa, I recently found out I'm Afro-Brazilian. Who knew? Because my parents straight up came from West Africa. So, you would think, the assumption you make is like, oh, well, they were in West Africa. They were probably there for a really long time because they weren't taken. Nope. 
turns out that part of my ancestries were slaves. And the whole time I thought, well, no, we just came directly from Africa. So like a DNA test can't tell me that, right? Mm. But um, I always knew that, for example, um, I have some ancestry that's Portuguese and also with the history of like where my parents are from. First, they were invaded by the Portuguese. The Portuguese are really bad at colonizing for some reason. So then the French came in and colonized the country and they kicked the Portuguese out. I don't know why, like the Portuguese, they never <laughs> successfully colonize a country, I think. Um, which tells you a little bit about my ancestry too. So I know that my Portuguese ancestry who were colonizers, which is fine. There are constant conflict with um, my Yoruba ancestors who were colonized. And some were tarred. But there's also this weird dynamic too where because of that trauma, I've recently learned this through ancestor work, because of that trauma, what ended up happening is one of my ancestors, oh my gosh, I'm telling you like, family secrets but one of my ancestors for a little while we're still healing around this okay. from a small stint <laughs> did a small stint of doing um trading slavery trading so they wow. were a slave they went back to africa and they started trading slaves wow. which is a lot of healing that i have to do so and that trauma came from being colonized not knowing your identity than doing the same thing that was done to you or done to your ancestors to someone else. Right. Got you. Which luckily I think the people before me have done a lot of healing around. So I haven't felt like the huge effects, but it's definitely crafted who I am. And it made a lot of sense of like why I think ancestral work is really important and why I think social justice work is really important too. So all of that can, because even the conflict within themselves can pass down and like cause trauma responses that happen within the lineage that end up either being passed down if they're not healed to you or be they become a part of the inspiration behind why you're so passionate about certain things especially when it comes to witnessing the harm that was done acknowledging it and wanting to do better by supporting those who were harmed by it Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a really uh, eloquent way to answer Ricardo's question. Um, Ricardo said, it's not fine. We we were the ones to blame for modern day slavery. Yeah, that's true. But see, I have some ancestry that were part of that, so... Okay. So it's like one of those graphic yeah. things, which even too visibly, I'm not mixed, right? Like, And that was like, not like so far ago... Um, the last, my grandmother's last name was Olympio, right? So that's Brazilian Portuguese. Mm-hmm. But I can only imagine for people who their ancestry is more, you could see it more visibly too, how there's like this constant battle between themselves. Because I do have to acknowledge a part, even though I am fiercely proud to be Black and African, that wasn't always the case within the lineage. And also there is that duality, even because of that colonization that happened, that what I've been grappling with too is that Portuguese is a part of my ancestry. There's somebody who was Portuguese then there. I'm not going to like say that I'm like Portuguese now. That would be a little, little, I'm not very connected in that way. But I have to understand that that's this duality in our lineage that actually a lot of people do have because a lot of people have 
um, they, they do have a lot of ancestry that maybe was colonized and was the colonizer too. Right. Even if they're not visibly mixed or like don't have, don't have a parent like, like, like each parent that makes sense. If you go throughout the lineage, just because of colonization and also immigration, a lot of us do have that duality that's going on where like you have the colonized and the colonizer within. Mm, yeah. That's interesting. I also never thought about that like for myself where, well, like an example of like conflicting uh, ancestries would be like, I'm Russian Jewish on my mom's side. And then I have like a lot of German like influence Ooh. on my dad's side. It's very interesting. I didn't think about that. Um, so anyway, okay. So going, so we titled this live, you know, are my ancestors bigots, right? And that's what we were just talking mm-hmm. about. Like these, maybe like the, I don't know, what do you call them? Negative answer? Do you call them negative? What do you do? Shadow ancestors? Like what do you, what do you refer to them as? My ancestors who were bigots? Yeah. Okay. Racist. Racist. I even think like they're not necessarily shadow too, right? Because I'm yeah. big on like shadow and dark. I don't think that's necessarily mm. like bad. Yeah. Um, I think it's also just witnessing it by just calling it what it is. Yeah, my ancestors were homophobic. They yeah. were racist. They were bigots. Yeah. They were prejudiced. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So our ancestors that were racist or prejudiced or bigots. So what is it that we are, how are we to work with them or what are we to do when we discover this in our ancestry? Like what is the appropriate way to work through this? I think the first thing to do is to set the boundary. So a lot of people do come to me and they're like, I'm afraid of connecting with my ancestors because they were probably racist and I don't want to connect to my ancestors and I don't have to connect to my ancestors. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) okay, (laughs) you don't have to. I'm just saying, like, I'm just talking about healing. Um, But there's like such a response to it, right? Like, I don't have to do it. And you're right. You don't have to do it. But I do also firmly believe the more that we've tried to dismiss it and ignore it and push it down and say, I don't have to do it. I know they're a racist. I, because they're racist, I think that I am not going to be racist. Isn't enough work because programming is such a huge thing. If we can believe programming is around like societal ideas about like the beauty standards or like what we're supposed to do and work and career about gender, things like that. Definitely there's programming passed down from generation to generation to generation. And if that, if even your parents are racist, you still have that programming that's coming up um, and that's going to be coming up to be confronted. So if you have that within the lineage, but knowing that your ancestors are racist, I think it's actually such a beautiful gift because you can already see and understand, well, there's a lot of work that needs to be done that I am now conscious of. Because of those who are ignorant about the work that needs to be done, they're not doing the work. Yeah, right? it can be done. So setting that boundary of like, I understand this part of my ancestry was racist. Mm-hmm. I don't want to connect with them in a loving, affirming, um, supportive way. I want to connect and understand so I could better myself in the now for the now to witness what went on to understand the pain because a lot of racism 
I have a quote that I have that's going oh. to connect to this. But a lot of like racism, bigotry, homophobia, all that stuff, it's a trauma response to something or other programming. So I'm going to understand the cause, the root of it. And then because usually what comes up with that too in the ancestors, it's not that they're severely racist on the other side either. Usually they're, they feel guilt and shame because they've seen how their life has unfolded, how they've treated people. And they're like, oh my goodness, what did I do? Mm. What did I engage in? So they're going, you're going to witness it, put the boundary around witnessing it and uh, acknowledging it, but not um, making excuses for it. Mm. Understanding the root, understanding the guilt and shame and using that to inspire you to do better in the now. Mm. I love that. Because we were just talking today um, in my community about really accepting, uh, accepting our mistakes, accepting, accepting us, you know, accepting where we are, accepting almost loving the unlovable, you know, like loving mm-hmm. the unlovable parts of us. And that's what I hear in this work that you're talking about is really accepting these parts of us that yeah, they they weren't the best and they didn't do the best and, you know, but but not but not uh pretending as if they don't exist. Understanding mm-hmm. it is a whole it is a part of the puzzle and understanding the purpose behind it and then taking that information and doing the best we can with that now to uh create change or create the type of world we want to live in or have the type of experience that we want to have with other humans on this planet. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because there's a reason why it's coming up too. There's a reason why you know your ancestors were racist. There's right. a reason why as you start to like dabble in it, more stories come out, more understandings come out. There's a reason why. And if that is coming up and the fear of connecting is just to confront that, yeah, humans were and still are racist then you're doing yourself a huge disservice, not only to yourself, but actually to all the humans that were hurt within the process, all the cultures that were pillaged from, all the people who were enslaved, all the people who were killed, all the people who were traumatized. You're doing a huge disservice from that for some peace. Because even acknowledging that as history has unfolded, there's never been time for rest. It's not like, wow, that was a really traumatic time in your culture, in your country, within your dysphoria. You get to rest and heal from it. Mm -hmm. Nope, life keeps going. We still have to work. We still have to survive. We still have to confront things. I made a realization a year ago that I will probably never, one of my biggest um, traumas is racism, right? From the age four, I knew I was different. I was called the N-word at age four, right? Yeah. That's trauma that I'm going to always have to carry. That's also trauma that will probably never be healed. Because even last week, I was confronted with racism. Some of us have traumas that will never, that will always be re-encountering, that will always pop up. But what helps is those who become more conscious and are able to support. That's also why I try to be a support for other people as well who have traumas that were also keep coming up. Mm. And so a lot of people 
all we want is peace or some version of peace. And just as like, maybe we think, oh, if I don't connect with my racist ancestors, I'll be keeping the peace. No, you'll be bypassing in the name of Mm -hmm. peace and not actually be working to creating peace. Thank you for sharing that. That was really powerful. And I saw that that you posted on your Instagram yesterday, I think, about that you've never, you know, these communities that have experienced these traumatic events or, you know, you've never, there have never been time to rest. There's never been time to recover. And the having to continue to survive has just Mm -hmm. gone on and on. And that really hit me hard. I was like, wow, I see that. I really see that. And this, I, I actually, I, so I live very close to, I live in Philadelphia and I live very, very close to Independence Hall and um, where all of that stuff, at old, old city, which is where, you know, the Declaration of Independence was signed, all that stuff happened. Mm. And I also live very, very close to George Washington's first house. It, it's very close to there. And you can actually see the base of his house. It's all in glass now, so you have to like look down. But um, they've kind of built up like an outdoor little museum around it that has like pictures and is kind of telling a story and anyone can just walk by like I was walking my dog and you know I could kind of walk by and something took me in there the other day and I was just kind of walking by and I decided to look I was looking at pictures and you know it was all about it was about slavery and it was about um, history and the pictures were like I just found myself looking at it going, is this real? Like, can I trust this? Like, I don't mm-hmm. know if I can trust this because you're, they're showing, it was almost showing like um, slaves and white men like having this experience of like, and then it was all okay or something like that. Right. I, and they're all, and they're smiling and I'm like, that doesn't feel right. Like, I can't imagine this. Like, I can't imagine that this is true. But then again, I, you know, up until recently, I can imagine myself as a white woman, like walking up to those things and being like, okay, so this is history. So this is, you know, the way that it's being portrayed to us, you just assume, you know, you just take it as truth. But I just thought it was interesting that suddenly I was just like, I can't trust you. Like, I can't, I can't, it doesn't feel... So, so authentic. I think, yes, authentic. And, and, and who is telling these stories? You know, mm-hmm. I, who is the person that is the person writing history books? It is kind of one narrative. And so I, I, I think something that I always take away from you, Nike, and something I've heard you say is like, even like questioning things is really mm-hmm. important. Questioning why things are being said, what the intention is, and questioning your own biases and, and just questioning it all is like a very, is important and it's powerful. Yeah. yeah, because also the biggest lesson I've learned this year, I talked about on TikTok and everyone was just like, we're so sorry. <laughs> because I guess I looked really sad in the video. <laughs> but, um, something I've learned too was like the people who are like the first to say like, oh, I'm not racist. Oh, I've always been anti-racist. Oh, I've always like, I've always like the way I grew up. Everyone's diverse. Da, 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 da. Like they're right. so quick. I don't see to, color. Like, name it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are the people who have the most work to do. 
I used to be bamboozled by you people. I used to be like, oh my goodness, they're here for me. And then something would happen. And then white women tears would happen. Or like they would call me an angry black woman or something would happen, right? And I really, really cherish the people in my life now who they come to me and they're like, Nike, I don't know everything. I don't know the right things to say, but I just know that this feels wrong. And I know that I want to do better. And I want to have your, like, understand and have these conversations with you. And I know I'm not perfect. And I'm like, that's all we need is openness, not to prove that I'm the most woke. And I understand all these <laughs> things and I've never been racist in my whole life. I don't think any person who is like talking and speaking can say they've never said something racist or prejudiced or thought something like that because it's so embedded in our programming. So you're doing yourself a disservice if you think that, right? Yeah. Because even our exactly. our programming is so like the th- the way that we talk about things, like like you were saying, Alexa, like you looking at that that outside museum talking about these things, like even the way they talk about it, the slaves were taken from Africa to the United States. They were pillaged. Mm -hmm. They were kidnapped. It's human trafficking. Yes. The slaves, the enslaved, they didn't voluntarily say, I'm going to sign up to be a slave. That's not their title. They were enslaved. So even like these particular words that we use in order to bypass the painful reality Mm. is a part of our programming. And even sometimes I engage in it because I grew up in the school system. I grew up with certain programming. I also grew up with a lot of other stuff, right? Like I've grown up, I grew up only watching movies about MLK and the South African apartheid, but that's because my parents are African, right? So, but even with that, I still grew up with other programming that is connected to the racism. The fact that we call everything that's bad black, black magic, Black Friday, which was like a terrible day in the stock market, the little black book, like all these things, the black sheep, that's a part of our programming because then we're going, oh, and saying that black woman over there or that black man. And then everything we call white, white magic, white lights, all these other things, it's it's a part of programming. And so our ancestors also can help and us understand that too, because they, I, I promise you, the amount of times I've connected with people's racist ancestors, they're not racist to me. They're angry mm-hmm. at the people that bamboozled them into thinking that by them being bigots and racist and, and um, prejudice, that they were better off. But in fact, they were causing more harm and they were actually in, put in worse positions. One of my, I'm really into presidents, even though most of them are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Lyndon B. Johnson said, if you can convince the lowest white man that he's better than the best colored man, he won't notice that you're picking his pocket. Hell, give him somebody to look down on and he'll empty his pockets for you. Wow. And we could apply that outside of race too. But when you convince someone to dislike or even hate and put so much energy towards something that help, that deters them from something else that's happening, yeah. of course, they're going to see that on the other side and they're going to be, they're going to feel shame. They're going to feel guilty and they're going to be so angry. Mm. I've never heard that quote before. That's really, really powerful. 
Um, by the way, Debbie Lopez on Facebook just said, this conversation is amazing and important. Nike, thank you so much for talking about this. Um, and Carrie says, Ricardo said, this conversation's on fire, the truth bombs, Nike, wow. Carrie says, it amazes me how we're taught at such a young age to just accept what stories are told to us as opposed to come to it with open curiosity and question it. Yeah. Well, even that, only certain people are allowed to, to be taught that. I was never allowed to be taught that. I was always conscious of always questioning. Someone recently came up to me and they said, when I grew up, I was always like, I always knew the police were good. Like I always was, I was taught that the police were good. Like I thought everyone was taught that. And I was like, I was never taught that. Even in school, when we would go to like the police station and we'd be like, the police is showing you the dog. I would be like, hmm, <laughs> really? Cause I just watched the South African movie about the apartheid and y'all were hosing down children. So yeah. even that, that's like a privilege that some people were just able to have that as children and be in this kind of ignorance um, other people, usually the people, BIPOC people, or the people who are affected by this, don't necessarily have that privilege. Mm. Have the privilege to um, question? Or have the privilege to, to be told not to question things. Have the privilege like, to I be was told always not taught, to question. Yes, I was always taught as survival to question things. Even like from the age of being really young in school and like a teacher saying, did you cheat on this? Because you can't be this smart to know this. Mm. Even though my father is a renowned mathematician, you can't know this because you're six and you're also black and blah, blah, blah. Being like teacher, I can know this because like I had to, I was from a very young age had to learn how to question things, how to know like the stories that they're telling us at school first of all, don't really make sense because they would tell us about our own experience and you're like, mm, that doesn't really make sense. And also the way that my parents did present history to me and always being told to question. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's really interesting also. It's really interesting to think about. Um, yeah, because I... I I'm just like reflecting on my own childhood. It's a kind of like flashing before my eyes and thinking about, um, you know, I was, I, yeah, I really like feel like I came into my questioning phase later on in my life. And I, and, and it's interesting too, because when I came into my questioning phase, I'm just thinking about it now, it really did make a lot of people around me uncomfortable like a lot of people around me uncomfortable. Um, and I've had to learn over the past few years how to really like ground myself down. And when I do want to question things, like have facts and speak about it in an educated way, because otherwise, like, you know, it's, I don't know. We're just in a very like volatile time right now in in the country where you, you bring things up and you question things, people will, you know, like, yes, come at you. Um, Mm -hmm. but it is a time to be like having these conversations and questioning things and just questioning the status quo, questioning the way we've been doing things, questioning, like I said, like history, why does it look like everybody's happy in this picture? And for certain they weren't, you know what I mean? Like, so, (laughs) so yeah, but that's very interesting what you say about it, like being a privilege, literally being, being a privilege just to be able to kind of accept something as was told, um, 
uh, Ricardo just asked another question. Is it okay if I ask? Yeah. Okay. He said, oh, it's interesting. You wanted to touch on this too. He said, do indigenous spirits and ancestors ever show up in sessions where someone's ancestor participated in indigenous genocide or oppression to help or guide the healing? I don't know if they come up to help or guide or indigenous. This actually happened last week. I did a session last week. Um, so actually, usually in sessions, even like if you, you can witness a couple weeks ago with the session we did yeah, um, with Ambi and Alexa, those ancestors weren't very healing. Most ancestors, they don't show up and they're like, I'm here to move along and heal. Like, they come up angry. They come up direct. They come up like, you're going to witness everything. Mm. So, no ancestries like that have came up. But there's definitely been, like, parts where there's been, like, the conflict. The two ancestries in conflict show up. Um Usually, though, that's a time for the ancestry that was perhaps um, hurt by the other part, that they show up angry because it feels like it's a safe space to do so. Because oftentimes, even like even now, to be honest, um, a lot of people, BIPOC specifically, too, or people who are marginalized groups, um, even like with like and sexuality and gender identity, they, we can't be as angry as we would want to be. Or like, we can't show that because of the fear of like, something might happen. We're not safe in our physical bodies that we walk. You don't know if someone's gonna call the police, if someone's gonna kill you, if you just don't know. And so what I've noticed is that that's usually the space for whether it be like indigenous, ancestry that was hurt Mm -hmm. or BIPOC or any marginalized group of ancestry to feel angry, show their anger in such an authentic way and in a safe way because they don't have to worry about um, any ramifications from it. It's so sad to me to hear, like it's so sad that that's a reality. Like it's so it's so upsetting to acknowledge that, like to look at that fact that so many people like BIPOC don't feel safe to just feel a basic human emotion because of what, like the ramifications of that. So on one hand, that makes me so sad. Um, But on the other hand, I just got this kind of cool image of how, wow, what a, what a cool thing that, you know, these these two, uh, like, let's say, conflicting ancestors came together to make you somebody who gets to be the person to say, okay, ancestors, like, mm-hmm. you know, okay, the two of you, let's hear it. Like, let's, this, I, I you are creating, yeah, like, you are the one creating the safe space for them mm-hmm. to, you know, heal that or, yeah, like, like you said, to witness it. And you came from them, you know, like it's Mm -hmm. so interesting. It's kind of beautiful. It's poetic. Yeah, because I also think something to, and this is like a harsh reality too, that can be really hard and heavy. Mm -hmm. Because I get a lot of people, usually 
white people who come to me and they're like, oh, I know I'm white, but I know I have like indigenous, like I know that my grandmother was Cherokee or was this and I know or even some people who are like I know I'm probably like five percent black or something and they're like I just want to connect to it because I like I feel close to the culture and it's always intrigued me and it's like yeah that's great maybe because you're part of that ancestry like that is like passed down to you but also something to consider is that usually in those cases it wasn't they did not enter the family out of love or out of joyful circumstances. Mm -hmm. Um, Trigger warning, it may have been rape. It may have been pillaging, enslavement, like I said. It may have been something that was deeply traumatic. And usually in my sessions, that's what's happened, right? Mm -hmm. So they're also showing up in a way of like, I'm a part of your lineage, but not out of choice. So yes, you want to connect with me because you want to connect with like this type of ancestry and the spiritual practices that we do without witnessing like how I came into the family. Mm. Not all cases are that way, but historically, if you actually look at authentic history, most likely it wasn't out of desirable circumstances that they were brought into, that ancestry was brought into the family. And so does that mean that you shouldn't, like, connect with them or work with them? Like, I mean, if you're willing to do the work to um, witness them, like you said, and witness the way that they came in, does that still mean, like, they're not really an ancestor that you should be working with because they didn't come in by choice? Or what does that mean? Um, Not necessarily you shouldn't be working with them. I think, honestly, it's like... a case by case I also think that's why that's why this is a part of my purpose is to create that space where I'm like I understand where they're coming from which is why a lot of white people do come to me um to heal that part of their ancestry I do have a client like every time they tried to connect with their indigenous ancestry there would be a hard like no unless I was there Mm. um And they've chosen not to indulge in any part of that culture because it's just the way the circumstances that the ancestry was, the indigenous ancestry was brought into the family was very harmful and traumatic. And it's actually caused a generational curse, right? Because you have the thing about BIPOC ancestry and ancestors, like a lot of these magical things that we talk about in spirituality, it started with the melanated, right? Because life started in Africa. So um, they sometimes were so pissed off that they put generational curses and you'll see like cycles showing up. And it's like, wow, that stems. I can understand that because of the pain and the trauma. So that's where the trauma came um, from. And so they're, they're working on healing the trauma and not really connecting with that ancestry solo unless I'm in the space. Um, But you never know because, you know, it's just like once things can change, right? Yeah. Once you heal something, the relationship can change. Um, So it's not like it's always going to be that way. But I think that's also why it's important to be really intentional when you are doing this work. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. 
because when you said that when you said they were like no and because of the the trauma that they've experienced it's like I was thinking about in this lifetime, you know, how we teach people to set their boundaries, you know, and when somebody has traumatized you, when you've experienced a trauma, when you've experienced abuse in this lifetime, one of the most powerful things you can do, one of the most healing things you can do is say, I will not engage with you anymore or set like a very firm boundary of like, you know, you will not participate in my life anymore. And so I was just seeing that from their side of like, oh, how healing mm-hmm. that could be for them. Again, when you're talking about witnessing them and allowing them to say mm-hmm. no, no. Because maybe they yeah. never got to say no. Yeah, exactly it. And that this might be the first time that they're actually connecting too. Right, right. So you might get the bulk of the heat. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. just knowing that it's okay too. Because, like, as a human, think about, like, what you would want or need in that space. Mm. hmm hmm Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because, like, we talked about at the beginning of this episode, like, they were humans. hmm So, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow, I really, I really, um, that's very illuminating. I never, that, that last part really kind of hit me. Um. So thank you for sharing about that. Thank you for illuminating all of this. I Wow, this this hour flew. Is there any other piece of this that you wanted to go into before we wrap up for this week? Um, I think, like, just understanding that ancestral connection and healing is, is daunting. It's intense. Um, and it is high and low. Because there's going to be parts that are like, wow, I incarnated with, like, such magic. Like, this is this is a part of ancestral gifts. Like, they've been doing this for centuries. And there's going to be other parts of, like, this is really hard. This is not so nice. I have to confront really hard parts of myself um, and parts of my lineage. And it's just a it's – a, it's a journey. Like I said, I – consistently am learning about more things about my ancestry and I'm not I would never say like oh I'm done with ancestral healing like I'm finished like on to the next it's always gonna be it's always gonna be there especially as the world outside of us shifts as well and we'll learn like our placement and our positionality but the best thing I think if you're saying okay I want to confront these things I want to understand how to connect with my ancestry is to do a positionality statement. A positionality statement is really examining your positionality in society and the programming that might come with it because we all have privileges too. Like I grew up financially stable. I have financial privilege. I know for the most part, if something like was to go wrong, I could ask my parents and they would financially support me. I don't have a lot of financial trauma. That's a huge privilege that I have. And that's a huge privilege that I'm able to say, even though I'm just in privilege in many other ways, but understanding my positionality and going through it and witnessing that as well helps a lot with ancestral work and also seeing how your programming um, has came in your reality and what you could do to shift it to better support the collective as a whole and bring us closer to peace. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much for all of this and sharing all of your wisdom. 
<clears throat> and please share with everyone how, you know, there's a, a couple, there's a few different comments that were like, I want to do this or I can't wait to do this with you. So how can people work with you if they want to work on their ancestral trauma, ancestral healing? How can they work with you? So I actually have so many, so many avenues. Um, you can check out my podcast, Pretty Intuitive Podcast, also part of the Constellation Network. Yeah, um, check it out. <laughs> that's just a healing container for all things healing. So not only ancestor healing, though I do talk a lot about ancestor healing, but also inner child healing, self-sabotage healing, because it's also connected to ancestral healing as well. Um, and also now I'm having an ancestor connection quiz where you could tap in and see where you are in the journey and see like what you're meant to do when it comes to ancestral healing. I've channeled this out with ancestral wisdom. So you could check it out on my website, nikeoria.com. And if you want to specifically connect and work with your ancestry, you could either join my Patreon, the Pretty Intuitive Patreon, where we do ancestral healing sessions every month. Sammy Jean is there. Yes, Sammy Jean. <laughs> yes, Sammy Jean. <laughs> um, but that's like a space to intentionally connect every single month with your ancestors. No excuses, being accountable and like allowing um, and witnessing healing being to done and being done. And that's also a very low cost way to work with me. Um, but if you want to do one-to-one coaching and, and ancestor healing too, that's also on my website um, and you'll be able to heal and really connect in this really potent container and safe space for three months where we really get into generational trauma, generational cycles, generational curses, ancestral um, coping that you may do that just doesn't serve you anymore, um, connected to your ancestors, really building that connection and understanding and that relationship and feeling like you're supported and guided and with really strong and strict boundaries. So yeah. <laughs> wow. I love it. You guys, there are so many ways to interact and engage with Ancestral Healing, with Nike, obviously. Definitely, at the very least, go check out this quiz because it sounds like the quiz is going to tell you, like, what would be best for you, how, you know, it's going to give you more information on where you are in the process and and it will get you in the, in the mix and give you more information. And also, I think Ambrosia, or I think she signed us up as Inner Bloom. Maybe she signed Inner Bloom up oh, as... Yeah, she as <laughs> um, so maybe I will be at the, um, the circle um, this month. Is it, is it weekly or monthly? It's monthly. Okay, okay. So maybe I will be at the circle this month. <laughs> and um, along with Sammy Jean and whoever else decides to join us. Um, but if you guys are interested in any of uh, Nike's offers, please check the show notes of this episode. All the links will be there and you can connect with her directly. And tune in next week to this podcast next Friday because we will be doing the fourth installment of this ancestral series. And you'll just have to tune in to see what that's about. Ooh. Ooh, mystery, spooky, scary, <laughs> exciting. Um, Nike, thank you so much for being here. Being here, it's always a pleasure to have you on our podcast. We love you. Oh, thank you for having me. I think I'm the most podcast guest you've had. I was literally thinking that. I was literally thinking. I was like, I think Nike is like our MVP at this point. She's <laughs> she is like our most had guest. 
and uh, and probably will continue to be on. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you for being here. And everybody, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Until next time, keep on blooming. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love, love, love it if you would leave a rating and review on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to get in touch for a reading with Ambi, an EFT session with Alexa, or just to say what up, you can email us at innerbloompodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at innerbloompodcast. Podcast.